0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury. On the phone lines, as usual, this week, I've got Arif Roos. He's that man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, everybody. And the other fella is uh, Daniel Sherman Fernandez from dsf.my. Hello, Daniel.
0: Hello, Richard. Hello, Arif. And uh, Slamat Hari Raya to all our listeners who are celebrating this rather quiet Hari Raya in Malaysia.
1: Yeah, very quiet. Um, as usual, the show is in uh, two parts. We tweaked it ever so slightly this week. Um, so, Arif, w- what have you done to the beginning of the show? What are you doing?
2: We've got something called a roundup because we have some news but some of them are just kind of irrelevant to talk about. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean well, that's, so, that's exactly so, how you sell it Arif.
0: <laughs> so what has happened is Arif has become the decision maker on what's important and not important in terms of news in Malaysia.
2: Look, we can talk about MCO for as long as we want, but the rules keep changing, so there's Mm -hmm. no point in mentioning it specifically. Okay, fair enough. A lot of the news is like that too. Uh,
1: Give me some of this round of events. Give me some of the the stories that you have chosen uh, to highlight. To be important. To be important, (laughs) yeah.
2: Right, so the first the first piece of news is obviously MCO 3.0. Headlines, no automatic loan moratorium. Is right at home, no more traveling or social gatherings. Boo. And then the semiconductor shortages that we mentioned since earlier this year continues yeah. to halt car plants around the world, causing shortages everywhere. Yeah. And finally, Brembo famously known as the makers of braking systems for high-end cars, has introduced something called LED brake calipers. Now, uh, What now? LED brake calipers. Brake calipers that light up and you can change colors. I, yeah. In the
1: same way that my keyboard lights up? Yes. Oh, dear. Yes. Oh, dear.
0: I have got no comment on this because I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And yeah. yet, it'll sell like hotcakes.
1: Question though, are these legal here in
2: Malaysia? Would they be legal? I mean, considering how lax our laws are. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly.
0: Well, if, even if the laws are in place, no one would have thought about putting this law in yet, you know? That's, yeah, true. that's true. Who needs true. LED brake calibers? What?
1: Nobody what? needs LED. <laughs> and why did Brembo of all companies decide to
2: do it as well? You because know? They've,
0: they've, they've come into the Asian market. <laughs> To be fair, this
2: was developed for motorcycles. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. But I mean, what's stopping it from coming over to cars, right? Yes. Aren't they also
1: the company that did the disc brakes that have that uh, mirror finish as well? Yes. So imagine that mirror finished brake discs with these, oh my word, it's like something from Tron. I
0: know. <laughs> yeah, but the, the mirror finished brake discs are quite actually important. Uh-huh. Because like someone like me, you know, when you want to check our hair after we parked the car and, you know, and, and, your, and your side view mirror is a bit, you know, dirty, you know, at least, because, you know, your brake disc will always be clean.
1: I suspect yeah. that when you've got off your high-powered motorcycle, removed your helmet, you know, the first thing you need to do is check your hair, of exactly. course, in, in exactly. your mirrored discs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. People are going to buy these light hotcakes for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I hate that.
0: I hate that. So the question is now, which one of you are going to get the agency for this for Malaysia ASAP?
1: We need, we need to speak to these people, for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in six months' times, there'll be a Chinese knockoff somewhere. Well, 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 well. well. Yes, there we go. Now for some real news. Some real actual news, uh, and it has to do with something called battery swapping stations. We spoke a little bit about this in the past, mainly touched on it, and then uh, recently, the four biggest Japanese motorcycling uh, companies have said that they were going to do some sort of battery swapping stations and put a proper regulation on the type of batteries so that all of these batteries can be shared across all of the motorcycles, but... The problem with battery charging stations is, of course, the cost of the infrastructure and charging mm. times. And usually, you know, charging times are getting faster, but I think the fastest I've seen quoted is Mercedes-Benz with a new EQS, 0 to 80% in under 25 minutes. Wow. But that's still 25 minutes. That's a cup of coffee, though. Cup of coffee and a conversation that you should be having with your friend on a road trip in the car, not at the side of the road. You know what I'm all saying? All right, all right. You know, <laughs> it's still a long time. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there are questions over how fast... Uh, charging can actually be in the future and, and that usually depends on the source of the power mm. or how well the battery charges right you know 25 minutes like i said is a huge problem especially for commercial vehicles who have to get places on time uh, cabbies who are constantly on the road who really cannot afford to sit around for too long mm. so um Geely, the owners are proton and volvo uh, is attempting to solve this problem by turning to a battery-as-a-service business model, mm-hmm. meaning they have already provided 1,000 stations in China to test for its ride-hailing service called Kaukau. And what they essentially do is you drive in and come up with a brand new battery. So it's petrol stations for batteries.
0: Actually, wait, i gotta, I got to make a small correction. You don't come up with a brand new battery. You're basically just swapping batteries among all the other EV owners. Right, mm. right, of course, yeah. So what they're doing is, it's a great system. It is. Think about it because why? It will spur EV adoption. Mm. You don't have to put up a lot of very expensive charging stations. You just have the centralized locations for charging, mm. which will suck a lot of power. They can have a TNB substation there. Why I say TNB? Because I'm hoping this will come to Malaysia. Mm. And can you imagine now, if this happens and if it happens effectively, you can actually have commercial vans, commercial little trucks uh, you know, delivery trucks, delivery motorcycles, all running on battery.
1: This changes the game entirely, right? Yes. And it sounds so simple. And why has no idiot thought about it before? You know.
0: <laughs> well, well, Richard, you know, on an EV vehicle, whether it's a motorcycle, van, truck, car, whatever, the battery yeah. is almost one third the cost.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So
0: if you're going to have a whole bunch of batteries sitting somewhere and charging it, first of all, putting up the station, okay, that's one issue. But to buy all these batteries and have enough supply, mm-hmm. because why? Right hey, yeah. now. 500 cars come in a day, you must have 500 batteries.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because you're going to charge another 500 and that's going to take eight to 10 hours, you know? But surely the cost will come down with the economy of scale, though, right? Eventually. True, true right. True. Everything is economy of scale. But the way things are going, you know, a lot of countries, especially in you know in your hometown, mm. uh, where, you know, cars have to be all electric by 2025, 2030, 2035, you know, mm. this is where adoption will be done first. Mm. And then later it'll trickle down to Asia. But it's something that Asia should think about right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do you guys think it's much easier to set up than, you know, doing the whole charging infrastructure
0: thing? I'm not an accountant and I'm not into engineering for electrical power plants and all that. But I think it's a it's a much more feasible way when you have one entity controlling this. Hmm.
1: And look at it another way. You know, drivers have habits. And the habit, of course, is you have to go and put petrol in your car. Um, you don't have to charge your car at home currently. Uh, you, you don't need to create a new habit. And all this is doing is, is just saying, okay, well, instead of putting petrol in it, you can now go and change a battery in it. So it's one less thing to have to think about because it's, you know, it's already conforming to something that you'd have to do anyway.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, the number of people who live in high-rise condominiums who don't have access to charging at home,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: they will find this very useful, whether it's a motorcycle or a car,
2: right. Especially in older condominium units, right? Because to upgrade an entire substation just to serve one entire condo to put in many charging stations, that's quite a big task. Exactly. To- and then
0: you've got to get everyone to agree and then you've got to designate a parking spot and then people yeah. come and park in the parking spot when they're driving a petrol car and then people mm. get upset mm. and all that. You take all this away because what? You have a dedicated station to just come and swap your battery.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: but, I mean, here it, sorry, sorry but here comes a funny thing. Sorry, intro, but here comes the funny thing. My worry is this. If the handphone manufacturers around the world cannot come to an agreement on a, on a kind of battery and charging cable, yeah, how are all the car manufacturers for EVs around the world going yeah. to come to one format?
2: That is yeah. so true.
1: I mean, that's a really huge point, and there has to be some kind of agreement, doesn't there, amongst yes. industry, that um, if pe- if you you want people to continue to buy vehicles, and you want people to continue to move towards this, you know, new electric frontier that we're all dreaming about, this, these are the kind of decisions that you've got to make collectively. Yeah,
0: and you've got um, to do it now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because just if I- like. Just like the phone manufacturers need to be doing the same thing.
0: Yeah, because if I'm going to invest in a battery manufacturing plant and I've got a certain dimension or size that I'm going to make my battery, yeah.
2: and then you
0: come and tell me, no, we've got this global standard now and it's 2 by 4 you know, and that's it, you know? Mm. And I said, no, I've already got my mold done. I've already got my factory done. You know, I'm not going to change.
2: Mm. It's like some places in uh, Europe and the US where you have your Tesla superchargers everywhere, but if you turn up with your Porsche Taycan, you can't use it. Exactly. Can you not buy a third party adapter? No. Oh, yeah.
0: Because they're not it's... talking to each other because they're rivals, you see? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yep.
1: Oh capitalism, how we love thee.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's just like the the left-hand drive car and the right-hand drive car. Imagine if all the cars were one drive. In the middle. No, what I mean is you say everyone accepted the UK standard of uh. right-hand drive. Uh.
1: Uh, are you going to badger me now about being English? Come on. I've had a lot of that this week. It's been a tough week.
0: No, but see, I drive a right-hand drive car, so I want the whole world to drive a right-hand drive car.
1: Of course, of so course. Imagine
0: if that was the standard around the world. You would yeah. not have so high cost in building cars.
1: Uh, uh. Yeah, so this is true. true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're going to have to take a short break here, ladies and gents, because, you know, I, I've been teased about being English. We've had little jokes about um, lighting up the brake thingies. It's time for a break here on Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9.
0: Because Freedom Matters, BFM 89.9.
1: BFM 89.9, the Business Station. Welcome back, folks, to Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm on the phone line with uh, Arif Ruse, the man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, everybody. And of course, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.MY. Hi, Daniel.
0: Hello and salamat raya to all our listeners.
1: Uh, If you're only just tuning in, we've had a bit of a roundup of some news stories that Ari thought were really important. Uh, Then we've uh, spoken a little bit about battery swapping stations and the great idea behind them but perhaps the extremely extravagant economic cost. That was before. If you missed that, download the podcast and have a little bit of a listen later on. Now, some car launches. What have we
2: got? Right. So this week or rather this year, there is a brand new update for the Perodua Aruz, and it's... There really isn't anything much to, to shout about because they added uh, new side steps which you can already buy from Perdua and add it onto your existing Uh You get automatic door locks as standard and a new passion red paint. And prices haven't changed, right, Daniel?
0: Sixty-eight thousand ringgit. Still the same price, which is good news. I think the only reason why they're doing this is because of the passion red paint. Come on, this color makes a lot of difference to the market because the immediate rival has got a it's got a mm-hmm. lovely bright red and a bright orange. Mm-hmm. We won't mention the name, but you know mm. you know who they are. So, Perdua has to say, hey, I forgot about that color when I was launching this car. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think there'll be enough Malaysians gravitating to this color. Uh-huh. But now... It's yeah, I am.
1: It's a beautiful color. That's the yes, thing. Uh, yes, they, yes. I was going to say, do you think they've run out of paint for the other ones? But no, it, this is a definite encroachment into other territories, and It's like, ah, yes. I see now
2: we've got this color as well. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, smart, smart. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, speaking of a car which apparently looks great, uh, judging by whatever press photos that we got, literally just a light and a shell. And it's the new Subaru Soltera. Soltera? Saltera? <laughs> Try saying that three times fast.
0: It's just salty. It's salty.
2: <laughs> Salterra. I'm going to call it Salterra. Okay, uh, EV SUV. It's Subaru's brand new uh, electric vehicle SUV. And if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about this Toyota BZ4X SUV. Right. It was developed alongside Subaru. And essentially, what we have here is Subaru's version of that SUV. So uh, they called it the Salterra, which stands for Sun Earth. Salt, what? Oh, for yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's supposed to represent the future and sustainability and clean air and all that stuff. Oh, God. Tired <laughs> of all these names. <laughs> uh, but- <laughs> it's <laughs> better than some of the, what is it, XY45214s? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, this new EV SUV will be coming in 2022. And as mentioned previously, uh, Toyota built the electric bits, so the powertrain, the motor, and all that stuff, while Subaru did all the driving bits. So we can expect this Subaru Solterra to be more fun to drive than the Toyota and just as reliable and practical as well. Mm. Uh, locally, there were a few car launches, um, two interesting ones, I'd say. Um, it's from BMW Malaysia, and they've updated the 7 Series, and they've decided to locally assemble the BMW X7. But first, the 740 LE. What they've done essentially is just equipped it with a new M Sport package. Uh, it's almost exactly the same spec as previously, except with a new trim. So mm. you've already got 16 speakers, rear seat entertainment, Sky Lounge, panoramic sunroof, laser lights as well. But now with the M Sport, you get new body body kit, seats, brakes, wheels, interior trims, and paint as well. And I feel like uh, I feel like it should have been sold with the M Sport trim in the first place because. When I took it out for a test drive, it really drives like a speeding train. Oh, you got to play with this, did you? Yeah, yeah. uh, Right off the first MCO, I got to pick up one. Drove to Ipoh, and it was really cool. Yeah.
0: So if you think about it, you're just saying, now why didn't they add all these bits in the car to start off with, right? Yeah, yeah. But you see, if they they added all the bits, then how do you get a, a revised version coming out the following year to excite the population? That's true.
2: That's, that's true, true indeed. That's,
0: that's what all manufacturers do. They, they come up with a less than full version and then they launch it at one price. And then, you know, one year later, after they sold quite a bit, they come up with a slightly better version with added bits at a lower price and get the mm. first batch of owners really angry because now <laughs> their cars have depreciated <laughs> by another right. 20%.
1: Unlike us, during MCO, we start off great in MCO 1, and we get worse as the MCO. You
2: know, the <laughs> new versions that come out are worse. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh.
0: <laughs> so the next BMW launch, tell us.
2: It's the X7 XDrive40i. And it's, as you remember, maybe a year
0: and a half ago, they launched this. Right, Daniel? Yes. And it sold quite a few pieces, but you don't see them on the road because they're not so noticeable. Mm. Yeah. Because you'll mistake it for the X5.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it is very square, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> And it's big, and it's got that huge grille. So one look, you'll think, oh, it's another X5. But then only when you see the rear, which is extended, then you'll notice it's the new X7. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. what's the price now?
2: Now it's been announced as locally assembled. So it's the same exact spec as the CBU model, which was introduced one and a half years ago. And that was almost 900,000 ringgit, wasn't it? Now, because it's locally assembled, it's 215,000 ringgit less, and it's 673,000 ringgit, which is... A lot, considering, you know, this is BMW's top-of-the-line luxury family SUV and the fact that it shares the same chassis as the Rolls-Royce Cullinan.
0: Oh, you shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I know the people I know. at Rolls-Royce will not be too happy about that. But <laughs> true. So now I'm going to ask you a question. 591 for the facelifted 7 Series and 673 for this car, this, this X7. Okay, there's a difference of almost, you know, 80,000 ringgit. When You have yeah. this kind of money, you might have well just paid that extra 80,000 ringgit, right?
2: Unless you really like big saloons, which I very much do. <laughs>
0: but think about oh, it, but think he's about old it.
2: before his time, Daniel. Come on, nah,
0: because, you know, he's, he's, he's getting married, he's gonna have he wants, to sit, he
2: wants to sit in the back and be driven around every now and again. No, yeah, exactly. oh, I want to drive people around, man. That's <laughs> what a seven series is for. <laughs> if you want to be driven around, you buy an S class,
0: yeah. But think about it, if you actually went and paid. You know, six hundred and seventy-three thousand for this X Seven. You can, you know, when, when you meet people, ask say "Oh, what are you driving?" I'm driving a rebadged Rolls Royce Cullinan. <laughs> you,
2: <laughs> now, now you went and said it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, there's been a lot of comparisons about between these two cars, anyway, because they are have been built on the same chassis. Obviously, you're not going to get the Rolls Royce magic carpet ride or the Rolls Royce build quality and you know the fact that you can do two hundred and thirty kilometers an hour in pure complete silence, but you know this BMW X Seven really gets all the luxuries. You still get rear entertainment like uh, Rolls Royce does. Mm. You get a diamond gear selector because it's pretty mm. and it glistens in the sunlight. Uh, you've got soft closed doors, power split tailgate, panoramic roof, full safety kits, and everything. And even the fact that BMW specifically tailors five different inoffensive color combinations for you to choose from. So you can choose blue and cream interior or something What does that mean? Inoffensive color combinations? Meaning it's not going to be a red interior or an orange one or, you know. Well, that's just colorist, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but who decides? (laughs) Who decides what's offensive and not offensive? Exactly.
2: You imagine if you, you know, brought your grandmother into the car or Uh, your mother into the car. And it's going to swear at her, is it? If it's red, it might swear at her. Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> but I digress, you know, um, even though you're buying the BMW X7, $673,000, you are not buying the Rolls-Royce Cullinan for half the price, but you are. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We have one car to go through, though, and it's a really, really interesting car. And it's a van. And it's called the Mercedes-Benz EQT. Uh, you have the pictures.
0: What do you think I, of it? Oh, I, it reminds me of something.
1: Thing. Yes, I, I do, but it reminds me very much of something that I also like, and I don't think either of you...
0: Volkswagen Tiguan.
1: No, it reminds me of the Nissan Cube. Oh,
0: yes, you Nissan right. Cube, you're yeah. Right, right. Yeah.
1: And I've always loved the Nissan Cube because it's so ugly that it's adorable. Oh, it's not ugly. But and maybe that's why they went with Mercedes-Benz EQT. They probably went, it's EQT. It's a QT. It's a
0: QT. Ah, you see. I knew that joke was coming, but I it didn't could, stop it. Of course. <laughs> but this is a handsome looking vehicle. It is. It, it is. is, yeah. It yeah. is. It's
2: the first ever Mercedes-Benz T-Class or rather a concept of it. But yes, it is a seven-seat panel. van. It's essentially, a, you know, a Nissan Cube. basically. It's a concept, but it's very, very much production. like And if you've seen any recent Mercedes EQ cars, the production cars will look very much like their concept. The launch is going to be in 2022. And because it's an EQ, it's going to be fully electric. And what Mercedes intends to do with this car is put it against the Renault Kangoo or the VW Caddy, or I guess a newer version of the Nissan Cube. (laughs) A car that can do it all. It can carry seven people or all of your stuff. So there will be commercial and passenger versions. They even have a gear shifter in an all-electric car, which is very, very interesting, don't you guys think? I really like this thing. Yeah? I really like the look of it, yeah yeah it's got an infotainment screen, obviously, but it's very much more utilitarian it's got uh what what do what do people call those black spaces around the t v bezel. The, be- the bezel the bezel yeah it's even got a bezel, which I guess is supposed to prove that it's utilitarian and it's not going to break down if you flick it or something mm-hmm. but it's, it's, uh,
0: it also looks you know much more uh i would say uh, reliable yeah
2: I totally agree, though if I were carrying a lot of stuff, I wouldn't want to get one with a white interior. I was just thinking
1: that, yeah, especially <laughs> with, with that, that many, trying to cram that many people in as well. That like, white's not going to stay white for very long, is it? <laughs>
0: no. But I think the white interior is basically the, the, the luxury version, you know, the top, yeah, yeah. The
2: top it end. It looks version. great in the shots, so.
0: though. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, speaking of the white interior and, and the luxury thing, the plastic panel bits look to be wrapped in blue chrome. Mm. Mm. Tasteful in quotes. I guess.
0: <laughs> well, that, that is to show that it's an electric vehicle.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that is the know.
0: true fact that because, you know, electric vehicle, even their logos have that little blue tinge in it.
2: A little know. flash blue. Yes, yes, yes. yes. yes, yes. Ah. I've also thought that, you know, this Mercedes T-Class would be the perfect track day companion. For example, you have a Mercedes AMG GT and you want to go for a track day. And you have another bunch of your friends traveling in another Mercedes Benz, part of your crew, team, whatever. And when you finish racing and at night you wanna go out and grab a bite, you don't have to drive three different cars. You just jump in this. And this thing will carry all your wheels, your tires, extra fuel, and all this stuff. So, so interesting you've stuff. You've really from thought Mercedes. this through, haven't you? So, yeah. so what <laughs> you're saying is
0: the owner of a Mercedes GT track day car will actually sit in something like this to go and have his Naslama. I don't think yes. you so. will buy a Lexus LM luxury MPV for a million ringgit for them.
2: Actually, you're right. That will
1: probably happen. Uh, yeah, shut down, shut down, shut down, Mike. shut down. Okay, um, should we have a bit of a break? Yes, we should. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about all things trucks, pickup trucks, the new Ford F one hundred and fifty Lightning, uh, and some. Amarok's and um, the Nissan Navara is going to make an appearance and yeah if you like trucks, stay tuned. This of course is Cruise Control, that car show here on BFM 89.9
0: Bombing frustrated minds BFM 89.9
1: BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on uh, BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm on the phone lines with Arif Ruse and Daniel Fernandez. Uh, we've been speaking about some car launches. And now we're going to move on to things
2: all about pickup trucks. This is a part that I like. What's going on? I didn't know you like trucks, man. I love trucks. Well, would you like a truck called the Lightning? Of course. Who wouldn't like something called the Lightning? (laughs) Um, The Lightning is the new all-electric Ford F-150. That's what they're calling it. And this Lightning name actually harks back to the original Ford F-150 Lightning, which was introduced in 2001. And Mm -hmm. it was essentially a pickup sports car. Uh, What they did was stick the Mustang Cobra's V8 5.8 liters, uh, souped it up to 380 horsepower and stuck it in a 2001 Ford F-150. Oh, my word. Yeah, it was pretty insane, and it was red too. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> yeah. um, this new one, however, is an all-electric truck, and Ford CEO says that it will be able to power homes it will be able to accelerate faster than the old Lightning and have more than three hundred miles of range, as well as improve over time with over-the-air update. You know, the Ford F one hundred and fifty will probably no longer be you know the rough and tough truck that Americans love. It's now all electric. I guess the most interesting thing about this is that. All American trucks are kind of, you know, pushing the bill in 2022. We've got the Hummer EV pickup that's coming. All electric Chevy uh, Silverado that's coming. Tesla Cybertruck, which is supposed to come. Mm. And the Rivian R1T, which is apparently the most exciting pickup truck there is in the world. Because, wow, 1,000 horsepower. Um, but it's very very exciting stuff for the utilitarian world of the automotive industry because these are supposed to be the toughest things out there and they're already becoming electrified which is going to be very very interesting
0: hmm. you, you know what amazes me with all this you know every time someone comes up with a new electric truck or a new electric car they talk about the you know faster acceleration faster acceleration so you've got it at 2.85 2.5 2.2 seconds 0 to 100 I wonder what will happen when it comes to one second. Oh. Will they start talking about 0.95 seconds, 0.85 seconds? I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, who wants to travel that fast from zero to 100?
1: Especially in something that can tow up to 11,000 pounds or whatever. Oh dear, that's dangerous. And you know, (laughs) a
0: thousand horsepower, what are you towing? A rocket ship,
2: you know? Well, if you're Elon Musk, yeah. yeah. Daniel, Daniel, you're just setting them up for him, man. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) You know, just to add a little bit of uh, thoughts on this, you know, all electric pickup trucks does mean the end for rolling coal. Rolling coal essentially is where play American pickup truck owners take their big 7-liter V10 diesel pickup trucks, they tune it up and soup it up, Until it makes so much power that any time you go anywhere near the throttle, all you see is black smoke. Yeah. Thank God that's going to be gone, I guess.
1: (laughs) They look like the old steam trains, don't they? Spitting out all that gunk at the top. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, to some regular cars, I think. Regular (laughs) Uh, pickup trucks. Regular pickup trucks, sorry. Uh, Daniel, apparently the Volkswagen Amarok will now be assembled in Pakistan.
0: Yes, recent news just came in that of all the places, Pakistan is going to have a new, brand new state-of-the-art factory to assemble the Volkswagen Amarok and also the Volkswagen transporter van. Now, these are two vehicles that have not been introduced in Malaysia and also Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia. You do have the transporter in Thailand, but it comes in through a private importer. So, by doing this in Pakistan, first of all, that segment of the market in Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, that area, they do like their pickup trucks and they do like their big vans because of an extended family and everything else. So yeah. I think what they're trying to do is everything that is coming out of Hanover. Hanover in Germany is where Volkswagen has its commercial vehicle center. Yeah. I think they're going to start bringing it down to Asia because they've forgotten about Asia all this while. They've never brought it into Asia. That's true. So by having in Pakistan, okay, you got maybe you know the government incentives because the partner with them in Pakistan is a current importer of Audi and Volkswagen vehicles. So by doing this, you know, they're investing, they're bringing in the money, they're bringing in jobs and everything else. So if you're going to start assembling there, if you already, because it's going to be right-hand drive, if you're going to sell it, right-hand drive, I mentioned it, eh? Okay, if you're going to sell it to Bangladesh and India and <laughs> Sri Lanka and everywhere else, there's a good chance it will come to our part of the world.
2: Interesting. Are there any cars that come from India that come into our market?
0: Okay, the, currently the Volkswagen Vento sedan and the Volkswagen Polo comes from Pune, India. That's actually
2: two very key, important cars for Volkswagen here, aren't they? Exactly.
0: And some new Kias, which I can't mention the names, will also be coming from India. The small little crossover. And there's also some um, Hyundais that are going to be coming from India later on. But I don't know. Do you guys think that people will buy into a Volkswagen um, pickup truck? Well, the problem is when they initially launched this, we were actually invited to Hanover to test drive it. And... You know, outside looks very nice, Volkswagen, very handsome looking. But when you get inside, it's very basic. It's a it's it's a real workhorse. Whereas in Asia, the pickup truck has become like an SUV, which you all know, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think if if they don't do anything about the interior, which they have not done, because if you look at the pictures of the current uh, Volkswagen Amarok and also the the transporter, it's still very basic. It's still a workhorse interior. So I think it's going to be difficult because on top of that. When they wanted to bring it into Malaysia, the plan was shelved because the starting price was almost 150,000 ringgit. At that time, you could get a Ford Ranger for 110, a Toyota Hilux for 110, a Mitsubishi Triton for 110, which had a car-like interior.
2: Mm. I don't know. I guess that that might not be any space for an Amarok here. I guess. Well.
0: If the price is below 100000 of course, you know, you'll get the plantation people, the work cost people and all that. But if you're talking about reaching out to the urban cowboy, I don't think so.
1: They sold 52,000 of these last year. That's not Hilux volume, but uh, comparable to our car review today, uh, which is the Nissan Navara. Uh, they sold about 60,000 of these uh, last year. And the one we're reviewing is the Pro 4X, the latest in a long line of heritage Nissan
0: pickup trucks. Tell us all about this. Okay, so... It's quite funny. A couple of weeks ago, we did the Isuzu D-MAX X-Terrain. Remember Mm -hmm. guys?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. So Nissan Navara Pro 4X is the latest from Edoran Tanchong. And this Navara actually was launched the same week as the Isuzu D-MAX X-Terrain. Yeah. And they are direct rivals. And when I say direct rivals, I mean... Everywhere price the price difference is one thousand ringgit, (laughs) (laughs) but there are two different animals here. Now, why I say that is because first of all, when you look at the Nissan Navara, yes, it's still got the same old basic shape. Okay, yeah, did not change that. But this facelifted version is a big facelift from the headlamps to the grill to the wheels to the interior to the to the rear. A lot of work has been done, but underneath is still the same. Yeah. Okay. So why did Nissan do this? Now, a lot of people in Malaysia think that this is a localized facelift done by Tanchong, but it's not. This was actually done in Thailand last year and they exported it to Australia, New Zealand, a few other markets, and it was hugely successful. Part of the reason was at that time, the Isuzu D-Max had not entered the market yet.
2: Mm, this is a very, very good looking pickup truck, actually. <laughs>
0: yes, and if you think about it, Part of his good looks is because, in my opinion, they've taken away all the chrome. I agree. They've taken away all the shiny bits.
1: It's almost like a transformer-ish. It's aggressive. It's yeah, it, it, I, I like this. You're right. I think the removal of the chrome has really added to
2: it. It looks like a sports truck, right? Almost, yeah.
0: And that grey color, that's the new grey, you know, you know what I'm saying? All the European manufacturers are looking at it.
2: Yeah, somewhere along the lines of a Nardo Grey, right, from Audi.
0: Something like that, something like that. So anyway, so, you know, they gave us a truck and we took it out and we test drove it. And it's still, number one, Nissan has always taken away the rear suspension of a pickup truck and made it more like an SUV. So this still carries that same pickup truck, sorry, those, those SUV kind of suspension system, which you know which is what a lot of people say makes it more comfortable makes it more yeah. easy to drive in town you know it's got that signature five link rear coil suspension instead of a leaf spring like all the other pickup truck manufacturers yeah but having it running on coil springs also means that if you go off road with this it will not take to the rough and tough as well as some of its competitors right Okay, but think yeah. about it, guys. If you're driving a truck like this, would you want to go into the rough and tough?
1: Yeah, the, the, what was it, a phrase you used earlier on? Urban cowboys. Urban
0: cowboys. Urban Even cowboys. like you, Richard.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would happily drive this in urban areas. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you see perfectly. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got a lot of space. It's got a comfortable seating position. It's got a very nice uh, SUV-like dashboard. The rear seat's now inclined a little bit more. It's got a softer leather finish on it. Uh, there's enough uh, leg room. The best part is there's rear aircon vents for the rear passengers. There's power yeah. sockets to charge up your stuff. So it's a family vehicle with a, with a deck at the back, you know? And uh, the the
1: the, uh, the rear passengers, are they actual, you know, passenger seats or are they more like the bench kind of well-
0: seats? You can never get a real passenger seat at the back unless you want to take away a lot of legroom. So there's yeah. bent seats, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because the compromise is this with pickup trucks: if you make the rear more comfortable, if you put actual seats at the back, then your rear deck gets smaller. Right. Now, if your yeah. rear deck gets smaller, then your selling point to the workhorse yeah. buyer is, oh, you can only carry so so many stuff. You know. Mm-mm. Now, so here's the thing: you cannot make a pickup truck to suit both markets if the cabin is too big then of course you lose out on the space at the back one market is not happy with you if you make it too small and then another market is not happy with you so you have to find a like a sweet spot you understand what i'm saying yeah. so the, the most you can do is you know make it a bit more comfortable add more padding give more creature comforts at the back and hopefully that will be enough for you to put your children or your, your third wife or your maid or your mother-in-law at the back you know
1: yeah i'm thinking about your work colleagues but you know your examples are <laughs> equally valid because
0: i'm thinking of the urban cowboy <laughs> so anyway we took it out for a test drive we took it we didn't go off road with it we just went around the city and the funny thing is there were a number of people actually taking out their little handphones and snapping pictures of this truck mm. because they've not seated on the road it looks really attractive they probably think it's something that I've personally done to my truck, you know, because yeah, even yeah. though it's been launched and everything else, a lot of people still, you know, don't read dsf.myi. So they wouldn't know that this is a brand new truck from Tanchong. So end of the day, I think Tanchong has got a pretty good product in the showroom. But the problem is with the Nissan brand now not doing so well in Malaysia for, for whatever reasons. And the Isuzu D-Max coming in very strong with this new X-Terrain model. Plus you got Toyota Hilux with their, you know, really big aggressive truck, it's going to be a hard battle.
2: So how how would you kind of like segment all of those trucks?
0: Okay, this truck also has a farmer version, you know, which is very basic. It's not called a Pro 4X. It doesn't have this aggressive look. It's still got a very basic look. But the thing yeah. is now, they us to test drive their highest model. Because why? They want to hit the urban cowboy because the workhorse people The the farmers, the lumberjacks, the the mining industry, the oil and gas industry, when they're looking for a workhorse, it's all about price. It's all about fleet discounts. It's all about after sales. It's all about how good are you going to service my fleet when I'm running it. You get what I mean? Mm. That's true. So looks, comfort. Because why? If I'm a big oil and gas company, I need to buy 50 of these. I'm not bothered how comfortable it is because why? I'm not going to be driving it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be sitting in the back seat. I want to know how economical it is, how good is the spare parts, how good is the after sales, what's the service schedule because all this comes down to cost for the accountant in the company to decide which is the best deal.
2: And, you know, one durian fruit extra in the back of your truck makes a lot of difference throughout the day, exactly. right? Exactly.
0: So how big is your rear deck, you know? How wide, how long, all this comes into play. Number two, how good is the suspension system or how bad or how rough or what? Nobody cares in the commercial market Mm. because the person driving it, he can get all his teeth loosened. doesn't matter to me, you know? Mm. But in the urban cowboy market, this is where personal tastes come in. So, like, for example, Richard says he likes trucks, okay? Now, he wants the lightning truck, but he can't get the lightning truck in Malaysia. So when he goes into, say, five different truck showrooms, they have five different looks. So it's which look that tickles his interest.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've always liked the look of the the Hilux Rogue, but – I, I think this, this looks better.
0: Because it's fresh, it's newer. Yeah. I mean, and maybe the new yeah. in-lamp treatment, the, the removal of the chrome, you know?
1: Yeah, the thing that I don't like about the Rogue is the, the little bits of, of, of plastic, you know, like above the wheel arches and around the front of the, on the bonnet. And right. they're, they're, they're the bits that kind of don't really appeal to me. And for whatever reason, this, this Nissan kind of... There's something about it.
0: Exactly. So you see... It's, I agree. It's, it's different taste, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be difficult to... to, to play in this market now because why everybody has got a sexy new urban cowboy truck you know Mm. and the prices are all just one two thousand different like this truck is just one thousand ringgit more than the isuzu d-max x-terrain so a lot of people are going to say one thousand you know i i can i can decide it's not a difficult decision it's purely on looks nothing else
2: it looks very very sporty Does it drive very sporty? Is it a more sportier handling truck or is it more powerful than the Isuzu?
0: Okay, the Isuzu D-Max X-Rain is a 3-liter engine. So it's got a little bit more power on it. This is a 2.5. So this has got Mm. maybe slightly less power. But when I talk about slightly less power, come on, you've already got 450 Newton meters of torque. You know? Yeah. You've got 190 PS. It's almost equivalent to what the 3-liter Isuzu D-Max does. But then it's how it's delivered to you on the road, you know? How yeah, responsive the mm. engine, a bigger CC engine will always sound more responsive, but actually the zero to hundred might be the same. The top speed might be the same, but how does it feel in your hands? That's the most important thing. So this is so close to the D-Max. It's so difficult to actually pull it apart. You get what I mean? Mm. Yep. Mm. And that 1000 ringgit difference. My God, 1000 ringgit, you know? And if you look at the interior, the interior looks just like a car. Yep.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it looks like a, a basic car interior. Yeah. You know, but that's fine for for what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But then you know, this is this is going to be something that's going to last you a long time. That's why it's so basic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't want anything fancy. You don't want anything too high tech. I mean, we don't know what you're going to do with your truck. Even if you buy a, a beautiful truck like this, you might want to go and visit your, you know, your chili farm or your or your durian farm or your rambutan farm, which is not heavy off roading, but still, you might want to go. and do that and you want something basic because why you don't want to be stuck there and then you know not be able to come out Mm. so i think nissan has got a good product here i think the navara pro 4x is really a a, a tough choice not to make unless you see something that you like in the d-max or you like something else in the toyota rogue or you want to go back and get a mitsubishi stealth oh sorry Mm. a mitsubishi athlete you know
2: yeah Mm. so final question for both of you yes um Pickup truck enthusiasts, uh, what are you guys taking home? I mean, this is really, it's not an easy choice, I'll admit. It, it's very tough. I, I think, yeah, I, I'd have a go at this,
1: I think.
0: Okay, Richard, because you've not test driven all these trucks, in terms of visual looks, which would you go for?
1: originally i I looked at the athlete because I love the way in which it looks from the side profile right uh, but now, looking at this it, there's something about this that really really appeals to me, and I think it's a something as simple as as the color you know, and that's made a huge, huge difference and I don't know why I'd take this home I'd take this one home
0: okay so so visually, you just love this truck right
1: yeah, I do
2: yeah, so Arif uh I like this. I like the way it looks. But if I were to get a pickup truck, I mean, it's either the Hilux or the Ranger, isn't it?
0: <laughs> so, you're, yeah, because you're going for something more big, more brash, more more purposeful, yeah. right?
2: Yeah. Drive into the river sort of thing. You yeah. Know? Because they're
0: bigger, they're taller, they're slightly wider, you know? Yeah. 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 So that, again, you see, there's so many needs and wants in, in terms of people who buy pickup trucks.
1: But yeah, when you're looking at the price comparisons, it's, that's just silly, you know? A thousand ringgit between them all? Yep. I would. (laughs) Okay, on that note then, let's wrap up, shall we? Yep. Yep. Ladies and gents, you've heard us talking an awful lot today. Uh, We've been speaking about battery swapping stations, uh, LED brake calipers. Uh, We've moved on to the Subaru Solterra, which, of course, means sun and earth. The QT from Mercedes, the EQT, uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning, the Amarok, and, of course, the Nissan Navara Pro 4X. If you've missed any part of this show in three parts, don't forget you can download the podcast. That's available a little bit later on from wherever you Normally listen to your podcasts from my name is Rich Bradbury. On behalf of Arif Ruse and, of course, Daniel Fernandez, we want to say good night. And for those of you celebrating,
2: Slamat Raya, everybody,
1: BFM
0: 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast.